Our Old Testament lesson today is from Isaiah, chapter 64, verses 1 through 9. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down, so that the mountains would quake at your presence, as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries so that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome deeds that we did not expect, you came down. The mountains quaked at your presence. From ages past, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who works for those who wait for him. You meet those who gladly do right, those who remember you in your ways. But you are angry, and we sinned. Because you hid yourself, we transgressed. We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a filthy cloth. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. There is no one who calls on your name or attempts to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have delivered us into the hand of our iniquity. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be exceedingly angry, O Lord, and do not remember iniquity forever. Now consider, we are all your people. Do you have in your home a careful unwrapper of gifts. We had one in the publishing company I used to work for. He worked in our shipping department where his skills for handling packages carefully were highly valued. But in the office Christmas party, not so much. <laughs> Handed a package in our employee gift exchange, this fellow would take out his pocket knife, unfold it, slowly slide the blade through each piece of tape, gently unfold the wrapping paper, remove it carefully from the package, making sure there were no tears, fold it perfectly, lay it aside, all before turning to examine the gift. It drove us crazy. <laughs> the sound of tearing paper is the sound of Christmas morning, isn't it? Especially in a house full of kids. Even just one kid, I can tell you, can get on a roll, tearing into the next gift as soon as the previous gift is opened, faster and faster until the tearing becomes a roar, and at last, all of Christmas is released into the world. As a pastor, I have usually campaigned for quiet in Advent, calling for it to be a reflective and thoughtful season, something peaceful, a counter to the hustle and bustle and loud march of commercialism, a way to move gently into a more meaningful Christmas. And yet today, I stand convicted before the prophet Isaiah. Here in today's text, the ancient Hebrew prophet is not laying a finger to his lips and asking us to tiptoe up to the birth of the Messiah. No. In this text, assigned for the first Sunday in Advent, here is a call for something like the loudest Christmas morning you ever heard as the prophet cries, oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. Imagine that sound of tearing. 
Imagine what might be released. Instead of calling for peace and quiet, as we might expect from a prophet who looks forward to a time when the wolf will lie down with the lamb and the lion will eat straw like the ox, Isaiah cries out not only for the heavens to be torn apart, but for the mountains to quake at the presence of God. Why would anyone pray for that? We have all at least seen video and photographs of the destruction caused by earthquakes. If that is what the presence of God looks like, do we want to see it? As we heard in our text from Zephaniah a few weeks ago, the day of the Lord is a day of destruction. Why is Isaiah asking for this? Well, because then, even if he doesn't like what God's presence looks like, he will at least know where it is. To understand the meaning and intention behind Isaiah's words, we need some context. The text is part of a much longer passage, a lament, not just from the prophet, but from his whole community, looking back and wondering what lies ahead. In the chapter before today's passage, the prophet remembers God as mighty, And in his memory, God always used that might for Israel's obvious good with awesome deeds, he says, that we did not expect. This God works for those who wait for God and meets them, even, as Nola said last week, coming out to meet those who gladly do right, those who remember God in their ways. On behalf of his people, the prophet remembers the good old days when everything went well for ancient Israel and their good old God who made that happen. And now, well now God, you've hidden your face from us. To what level of despair has a people fallen to declare that God is hiding from them? Probably every individual who has ever taken comfort from the presence of God has also experienced a time when they felt they couldn't see God at all. In trauma, in tragedy, in deep shock or grief, in the day-to-day struggle of a life that just goes on and on like a desert, there's always the cry of, where is God? But to go from, where is God, to God is deliberately, willfully hiding from us is to descend to a deeper level of despair. Because a God who hides is either a fickle, untrustworthy game player or a God who, when angry, might not want to be found, might just up and abandon us. A person or a people who feels abandoned might want to rip all kinds of things open on the chance of finding God inside, no matter what that God is likely to do when released. It's a common, if dysfunctional, way to operate. Someone who feels alone or abandoned or just needs to know that someone is paying attention might tear up a lot of things to draw a loved one out of hiding. Depending on how the passage is translated, and Isaiah presents a lot of translation problems, it can even imply that Israel's sin is God's fault. Had God just stayed visible, doing all the things Israel recognized as good for them, how much more faithful Isaiah and his friends would have remained. But no, because you hid yourself, 
We transgressed, and now they're a mess. We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a filthy cloth. There is no one who calls on your name or attempts to take hold of you. And yet somebody's speaking. Isn't the prophet, even as he declares that no one calls on God's name, calling on God's name? When the prophet cries for God to tear open the heavens and come down, isn't he attempting to take hold? Wouldn't he happily rip open the heavens to take hold of God for himself? What inspired me to think this way was actually the Moravian Daily Text watchword from last Wednesday, Psalm 12, verse 1. Help, O Lord, for there is no longer anyone who is godly. The faithful have disappeared from humankind. When I read that to our Wednesday morning breakfast group, one person responded, thanks for a bright start to our day. But if the picture is really that bleak, that the faithful have disappeared from humankind, then either the one praying was not human or that one praying human did not recognize their own desperate prayer as an act of faithfulness. Now, there is always the chance that the prophet or the prayer is setting themselves apart to the words, there is no one faithful secretly adding, except for me. But in the circles that I run in, honestly, I don't see a lot of faithful people congratulating themselves on their own faithfulness. I think it's much more common for people of faith to scold themselves for not being faithful enough. By and large, the Christians that I know have a pretty well-tuned sense of their own sinfulness. And if it's out of tune, the string is more likely too tight than too slack. We want to live better, to love better, to do what is pleasing to God, and often our failures are all we can see. So I'm wondering if Isaiah, along with the one who prayed Psalm 12, and maybe along with all the ancient Israelites, had trouble seeing God's faithfulness because he had trouble seeing his own. What do we think faithfulness looks like? I wonder if sometimes we have the wrong idea about it. Maybe we think our faithfulness must always be readily evident as cheerfulness and confidence and strength and courage. Maybe we think it should not be necessary to dig down through layers of confusion and grief to find our faithful seed. Surely obvious faithfulness manifests as obvious strength. Surely faithful people don't just fade and blow away like leaves. If that's what we think faithfulness is supposed to look like in ourselves, then what do we think about the faithfulness of God? Is it always obvious through our lens? Always manifesting as strength that, importantly, God always employs as a win for our side? never despairing of God's own people. That's a faithful God we may not be able to see because that may not be what faithfulness looks like. So much that we need to see is hidden, all the more so in times of pain and confusion. God moves in mysterious ways, and honestly, 
So do we. Sometimes we're such a mystery to ourselves. How could we dare approach the greater mystery of God? Oh, that God would tear open the heavens and just let us get a look at what's inside. My friends, it's the first Sunday of Advent, and Isaiah's cry has been heard. God tears apart the heavens and descends to meet us in the person of Jesus Christ. Fully human, fully divine, Jesus comes so that we may truly see both God and ourselves. In Jesus, we will see our own needs, our own capacity for love, our own need for relationship with God. In Jesus, we will see the God who is faithful to the whole creation in ways with not only strength, but tenderness, not only righteous anger, but mercy. In the crucifixion of Jesus, we will see to our great shame, our true capacity for hatred and injustice and violence. We will truly see our deep sinfulness. In the death of Jesus, we will truly see our vulnerability and our mortality. In the resurrection of Jesus, we will see God's faithfulness manifest in a love so great that we may be called children of God. We come into this Advent, and by we I mean this congregation and this nation and this world at a level of pain and confusion that gives rise to the cry, where is God? Is God hiding? Not just from us, but from the whole world, from Israel, from Gaza, from Ukraine, from people experiencing war and loss and tyrannical governance everywhere. What a mess. Is there faithfulness in the world? Well, someone's asking. Believe that when we even ask the question, is God faithful, there's faithfulness in the world. And if we can see that faithfulness in ourselves, we can see it in God. Because of Jesus Christ, we can see ourselves truly as beloved. So, with thanks to God, and in the company of the prophet, let us come into Advent not as careful and cautious unwrappers, but ready to see the heavens torn apart. Amen.